every time you decide to do something, you also decided not to do everything else. By keeping that job, you say no to traveling or to whatever you want to do. And a lot of people don't think about that, right? They say, well, I, I couldn't do it. I, no, you can. It's just, it's just deciding to not doing that and do this instead. This is the Travel and Van Life podcast from Jits into the Sunset. We're Tanya and Adam, and this is the podcast where we talk all things travel, adventure, and road trips. Through our experience and with conversations with others who, like us, have chosen an alternative lifestyle. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Travel, Adventure, and Road Trips podcast from us, Jits into the Sunset. It is episode... 37. 37. This is episode 37, and it's the last full episode that we're going to record from our van, from JITS, at least for now, uh, until summer. And in the meantime, we'll be taking our tiny little mobile podcast studio with us and recording out of our backpacks all across the world as we embark on our new adventure. So, yeah, it's all very exciting, but yeah. We'll be back. We'll be back in Jits in summer. Yeah, until until summer. We're in a rainy car park in Devon. And this time next week, we will be somewhere very sunny and tropical-esque. And yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, very exciting. Um, But as we keep kind of teasing, we will do a midweek episode about that at some point. Like a little bit of a travel diary update so everyone knows what's going on. But essentially, we're going somewhere a bit more exotic to do some films further afield further from europe and away from jets just for a little while until the summer yeah more exotic than rainy england more exotic than <laughs> rainy england yeah we're parked outside a gym classic because we used it for a workout and a shower this morning very very typically van life but hey we, that's what we love isn't it yeah so who is this week's guest i thought you'd never ask i'm very excited obviously as you can tell from the title it's a bold claim. The most adventurous person that we have ever met. And that is so true. Mm-hmm. You most likely haven't heard of this week's guest. He has spent the last 10 years traveling full time on all sorts of adventures, but he hasn't actually been sharing online. He's often been asked to do talks and podcasts and just be a speaker. But it's only now that the decade of travel is is behind him that he's been able to reflect and he is sharing his story with us. And in fact, we are his first ever podcast and we could not be any more thrilled. Yeah, we're very proud to have Antonio on. He is a fantastic fantastic speaker he's got a lot to offer Um, and just to give you a bit of an overview of his past and what he's done so Antonio was part of the New Zealand Olympic swimming team he was a trainer he gave up his career to go traveling can I just add that it's not just any trainers he actually trained the Olympic team on their technique so that they could be better like yeah, it's really high level stuff, like incredibly, <laughs> incredibly specialist. So he was obviously a very focused, determined person in his career. Um, but yeah, like I said, he gave that all up and he went on to do a decade of full time traveling with his wife, Amanda, to over 150 countries. They started by cycling 25,000 kilometers from California to Patagonia. That took three years. They then went to live on a sailboat for three years whilst they clocked up 20,000 nautical miles sailing around the Caribbean and Mexico. And most recently, they rode motorbikes 30,000 kilometers from Spain to South Africa via West Africa, which is just an unbelievable feat. And as you can imagine, 
We had so much to talk about with Antonio. We actually took the section all about the motorcycle trip down through Africa, and we're going to release that midweek as a special episode. So make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and that you're ready for when that comes out, because that, yeah, that deserved its own little section. It's like a nice, it's going to be a little half hour episode. Um, and it meant that this one wasn't like, I don't know, almost two hours effectively. And if you can't wait to listen to that part of the conversation, it is already live on Patreon. Patreon is, of course, as we always say, the best way to support us because it is through the help of their Patreons that we're able to fund the production of this podcast and keep going and have amazing guests like Antonia. Yeah, absolutely. It's because of our Patreon community that this podcast is on air. So as ever, thank you so much if you're already a Patreon. And if you're not, please consider it. Yeah. And if you're new, welcome. If you're new, welcome. Um, In amongst all of that traveling, he also set up a seven figure i always get confused is seven figure business well multi-million multi-million yeah there you go he also set up a multi-million dollar business which, which... he started completely from scratch i think they had 500 dollars. yeah they invested 500 dollars in this business and they grew it to over a million which like a multi-million which is just incredible it just goes to show the kind of personality that him and his wife really are just entrepreneurial, just get go-getters. And we speak a lot about mindset in this episode, which I think you're going to really, really enjoy. And as well as that, they now have a new venture called Adventure Fix. So we're going to link that in the show notes. Definitely check it out. It is an online magazine that's subscription-based. It lands in your inbox. And yeah, we would love for you to check it out because... That is actually how we're finding some of our future guests for the podcast because they do just some brilliant articles there about adventures and all the stories behind the people. So yeah, cannot recommend that enough. So without further ado, we're very proud to bring you Antonio Calla. Antonio, hello. Welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you. Yeah, great for having me. It's exciting to be here. I'm looking forward to do this. Oh, I, the reason why we're really excited is because you absolutely embody adventure and travel and 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 all of the things that we want the podcast to be about. And I, I guess it's fair to say that up until now, you have lived a full and adventurous life. You're very accomplished. You have traveled the world for over 150 countries. You have also traveled by bicycle, by motorcycle, and you've also lived on a boat, as well as starting a multi-million dollar business from scratch. So I don't even know where we're going to start, but I'm really excited. Cool, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely been a wild ride and uh, happy to share learnings and experiences with you guys. The thing that I find interesting is this is your first podcast you said to us before before we started recording. So thank you very much. It's an absolute <laughs> honor to have you on and have you as, our, as, as your first podcast. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I love listening to podcasts, but for the last 10 years, we and my wife and I, we always been too busy chasing the next adventure and uh, we've being very remote normally, uh, don't have a lot of access to the internet. So it's been difficult really uh, to be part of it, to be part of the kind of this, you know, content creation world. Uh, but yeah, well, we uh, kind of slowing down a little bit. So now we have the time to do that, to reflect back and uh, we can do these things uh, a little bit more. So happy to be here. Amazing. So... With over a decade of travel with your wife, Amanda, uh, you've been to over 150 countries. 
what was your life like before you started traveling uh, and where did your traveling start? What what was the reason for giving up whatever your previous life was and going, right, we're just going to go full-time adventure? Like, How did that happen? Yeah, sure. Um, so I used to live in New Zealand. Um, I, my background is um, I'm a, a study sports science. I have a PhD on hydrodynamics and uh, I used to work with the Olympic team of New Zealand, a uh, swimming team, so Olympic swimming team. So at that point, you know, at that level, there's not just one coach coaching the whole team. So it's like a different different kind of coaches. you got a head coach and then you have maybe a strength and conditioner, you have a nutritionist, and then in swimming you have what's called a biomechanist, which is the one who coaches the, the technique, analyzes the technique of the swimmers, and then does the technique training. So I was, I was that. That was my role. I did that in New Zealand for four years. And uh, I had this dream, you know, since I was a kid. I used to be a swimmer. I used to compete as well. Uh, my goal was, you know, being part of a team to make it to the Olympics. And I worked, you know, all my 20s on swimming, um, coaching different teams, and then moved to New Zealand just for this. In 2012, uh, I made my dream come true. So I actually made it to the Olympics uh, with, the, with the New Zealand team. And it was like, wow, you know, like it was all over the place. It was 29 back then. <clears throat> but when I got to that, when I got to the Olympics, I thought, what do I want to do now? You know, I have offers to go somewhere else and do the same thing. I have offers to stay in New Zealand. But I will look around and, you know, like, I'll see the other coaches, they, they, my, my workmates, my peers. And, you know, I will see people that will be, you know, divorced from their wives. They will be overweight. They will be, uh, I don't know, not really happy with them. Some of them, you know, alcoholic or, you know, problems with gambling and stuff like that. And, and they were all super consumed with this swimming thing. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do the same thing for the for the rest of my life. And I always was very envious about people who were taking time off to go traveling. So uh, at some point during those four years that I was in New Zealand, I kind of made my, uh, you know, take this decision. Like, I really want to take some time off. And the original idea was I'll take a year off. Once I f- finish in 2012, I'll take a year off. And I got traveling, backpacking, you know, whatever, one year around the world kind of thing. And then I'll go back and pick up another job. Uh, during those four years, I made my then girlfriend, Amanda, uh, that she was also living in New Zealand. Um, she had plans to go traveling, right? Uh, she was a lot younger uh, back in the day. She's five years younger than me in her early 20s. Just finished uni, moved to New Zealand, we met, and she, her plan was, okay, I'm going to go traveling as well, and now I met you, so what should we do? <laughs> um, so we, I kind of told her, look, you know, this is the dream of my life. I really want to go to the Olympics. I've been working all these decades to, you know, to, for this. Just give me one more year. Just one more year. Uh, that was 2011. Like, one more year, let's save as much money as we can, and then in 2012, we'll quit our jobs and go. And going back to the to your question, the, the, what, it, what it made me want to quit my job and go traveling was was that, was that, like, I accomplished my goal. Um, I wasn't happy with myself inside in terms of, like, man, there's so much out there that even though I love the swimming world, I love the high-performance well, it's very exciting, very, uh, very new, very, you know, because you're working to be 
best in the world, so it's very competitive. It just consumes everything of you, right? All your time, all your energy, you know, you're working <laughs> seven days a week and you can't do anything else, right? Like, um, yeah, you get paid well and all that, but there's no time to do anything else, you know? Like, forget about going for a month traveling, you know? You don't have a month to take off, you know? You got to be working. So that was the main thing. Like, um, and over the years, uh, we can talk about it later, it kind of changed, you know, but the original idea was, I'll take one year off. And then when I met Amanda, we kind of uh, decide to go a little bit longer. I don't know if you want me to go into that as well. No, yeah, we will We will definitely get there. We want to hear about all of your expeditions because we know you've done so much. Um, I think it's so funny. It's such a common story, isn't it? It always starts with the, we'll just go away for the one year. That's always the target. And then you just get hooked on that lifestyle of the, the full-time travel. It was exactly the same as us. We, we were going to go away in our van jitters for the one year. And then, you know, one year later, we were like, this is great. Why would we go back to our jobs in London? I mean, we loved our jobs in London. Don't get me wrong. But the idea of going back to them is just like, no, it's not as fun as, as what we're doing now. And yeah, it's just it's just amazing how that's always the case. Yeah. And I think you touched on a point there. Of like you can love what you're doing and love the high pace, like you said, like the performance and the team, of course, just working with other people. But I think the word there is the fulfillment. It's like how you feel inside and and thinking of yourself as the older version of yourself, like, you know, you're 60, 70 years old. What do you want your life to look like when you look back? And if travel and adventure is something that you want for yourself, but you put it off until a later date that may not come because we talk about this all the time on the, on the podcast and with our guests how life is not guaranteed we we're, we're not guaranteed tomorrow or 10 years from now and so pursuing the thing that lights you up even if what you're doing also it kind of fills your cup it's just really important to be able to 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 take that step and and take that leap and and you know I think it's very brave that you left a world that you have been so passionate about for such a long time in pursuit of adventure and I think it obviously really helped to have met Amanda who shared that same love and passion for for adventure absolutely yeah it's it's also the opportunity cost right every time you decide to do something you also decided not to do everything else, right? Oh, so by keeping that job, you decided you say no to traveling or to whatever you want to do. And a lot of people don't think about that, right? So why well, I, I couldn't do it. I, no, you can. It's just it's just deciding consciously or unconsciously to not doing that and do this instead, right? And so, yeah, now I'm a lot more aware of that, right? When you decide to do something, you say, well, I'm doing this, but I also say no to all these other things that I could do. Yeah, I think that's an, it's an amazing way of looking at things. Actually, this isn't the first time I'm going to have referenced this on the podcast, but there's a book called 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals. And he says exactly that. And the first time I heard it, I was like, whoa, it kind of like it, it blew my mind. And he said that the word decide, the... It, it, it descends from the same Latin word as words like homicide and suicide. And the iside part of the word means to end. So to decide something, you're cutting off, you're ending all the other options. And I just think that that's fascinating. And yeah, we've kind of lost touch with that meaning of the word um, until you stop and really think about it and examine it like you clearly have. So you were off on your adventures and you have had some incredible expeditions. You've spent 25,000 kilometers on a bike. 
you've lived for three years on a boat, you've done 30,000 kilometers on a motorbike, <laughs> um, and many, many other trips. Um, what out of your expeditions stands out in your mind as your favorite or your most memorable? Oof, uh, I don't think I have an answer to that. Um, every part of my journey was different uh, and also because I was a different person in each of them that and each each one of them it kind of helped the next one so things got a little bit more challenging as we went like you can also always look for the next challenge and I think the the experience of the previous trip helped the next one and then the next one helped the next one then the next one the other one um, and and I love all of them for different reasons, right? Like, um, I love the bicycle trip in Latin America because well, it was first it was the first trip that we'll do on our own, kind of on a, with our own means of transport. So, and it was Latin America, which is it's a region of the world that I've, I've come to absolutely love. Then you know, like when we decide to buy the the catamaran and and sail around for three years, you know, it's also the challenge of getting to that point, right? Like having to build a business to be able to afford that, that's another challenge on its own. And then cruising around in the Caribbean or in Mexico, it's it's just made it's something that it's hard to explain if you haven't done it because it, you enter into a whole different world. And then when we decide to to buy the motorbikes and, and ride um across West Africa, well that's that's where can I start there? That, that's a whole different <laughs> level. Like it's, uh, and maybe it's not that. It's one of those things that you you enjoy after. I would say, like maybe it, it, the day to day is not super enjoyable. But when you finish and you look back and reflect on that trip, how many lessons we learned, how much our view of the world has changed because of that trip, uh, it's insane, right? So. I don't have a favorite. Uh, some of them are more enjoyable, I guess, than others, but they all teach you different things. And um, because we were different people in a different uh, phase of during those 10 years, we just got different things from each of them that uh, I can't really rank them, to be honest. So I guess with that, since there is no one favorite um, expedition, how about anchoring the conversation in the challenges and the learnings that you learned with each one? And if we go back and start with the bike expedition, what was it about that, that kind of like a standout challenge or learning or transformation, a personal transformation within you that stands out from from that trip? Sure. Um, well... When we started cycling, you know, it was the the very beginning, right? So we left New Zealand, we flew to to California in the US and we started this cycling trip. And and the main thing is we're coming from a very quote unquote comfortable life in New Zealand where, you know, we live like normal people, we have jobs, we can, you know, like live in a normal house and have all the commodities, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, suddenly we we buy two bicycles and four panniers and we put all of our possessions in them <laughs> and we go cycling and traveling. Uh, that alone, you know, that, you know, takes you all the comforts, everything you have and you put into four panniers. Also, Amanda and I, at the point when we started the trip, we'd been together for two years. Um, 
So it's not that we know each other a lot, but enough to kind of decide, okay, we can do this together. So I guess this, the main challenges are like, we weren't the very cheap, we didn't have a lot of money. We wanted to go for very long. We were living off our savings. We weren't making any money. So uh, one was definitely money, like taking all the conventional comforts out and just enjoy the travel. So we were camping most of the time. We were cooking our meals most of the time and, and just taking hotel rooms every now and then, maybe once or twice a week. Um, so the, that experience to go from everything to nothing, uh, was amazing because, you know, like a lot of people cling to the jobs because they think, well, if I don't have a job, I'm gonna, I don't know, I'm gonna die of hunger on the street, right? But it's not the case really. Like, uh, you need very little money to survive. And there's a lot of things that are more important, like relationships, uh, health and stuff like that. But that process of taking everything away and you know go with four pioneers and 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 enjoying the ride that teaches you a lot of a lot about yourself about what you really value what you don't value what you really need what you don't need especially when you finish the trip and you start building your life again you don't have to add everything that you used to have right you can be a lot more meaningful about okay i really value this i really value that but i don't need this i don't need that i don't need to have like a you know, a closet full of clothes. I don't need to have like, you know, like, cause when you're cycling, you know, you have like, you know, two shirts for when you're cycling and two shirts for when you're not cycling. And that's it. There's four. If you buy another teacher, well, one has to go up because <laughs> you literally have no room for anything else. <laughs> so I think that process with, you know, going through the possessions and having really what you really need is, is it's, it was great. It was very important and, and very, uh, um, gives you a lot of satisfaction, I think, in believing in very little. You become real human, you know, like in the city, sometimes we can be very dehumanized because it's a lot of things on the way. Like you got all these problems that they're not really problems, you know, like uh, especially in the work environment and all that, you know, everything is made up. Even a job, what's a job that's made up? What's a company that's made up? Everything is human made. And when you go cycling and you're camping in nature and you're talking to the locals, it's just, you realize like, man, life is, can be a lot more simple and, and you can savor those things. So, um, I think that's something that we really enjoy when we're cycling. Also Latin America, you know, like it's super friendly folks. So, uh, the bike, you know, going back to what's your favorite way of traveling, I think each place has its optimum way of being explored. But what I mean by that is depending on how the people are and how the place is, how the roads are, how the weather is, what you want to do, uh, a different means of transport can be better than others, right? Like, and I think if you want to connect with the people, there's nothing like the bicycle. It's like hundred percent the best way. Like if you want that attention, you want to get to you know, like the really remote, really local people, because with the bicycle, you're super accessible, right? Like everyone can stop you. There's no walls, there's no windows, there's nothing. Like you literally cycling super slow normally. So everyone stops at you and, and starts a chat and wants to help you out or at least an interest in what you're doing. And we never met so many people while traveling, like when we were cycling in Latin America because of that. I, I've often thought that about the bike, that you're so 
exposed in a way and vulnerable that when you're traveling through these places, these exotic places, like places that you, you know, could feel dangerous, um, could feel quite intimidating and until maybe you're there and you realize, oh, there's nothing to fear. But like being on the bike in a, a really different place, an alien environment, somewhere you've never been, you're really fully immersing yourself in it. And I think it's something I've always loved the idea of bikepacking because it's not something I've ever done, but it's something that I've spoken about a lot. And going back to what you said about stripping yourself down and becoming really human and everything else just being made up and your just existing your existence with everything you need and nothing more it's just such a beautiful way of putting it but I know that that's not always easy and the idea of it is definitely not easy like it's the difficult thing to do so I'm wondering why did you decide to go straight into the deep end and were there any times during it where you thought okay this is this is difficult and, and I want to give up. Yeah, well, we didn't have any money to buy a van or a boat to go <laughs> traveling any other way. So uh, <laughs> we wanted to have our own means of transport. So we didn't want to go just backpacking, right? That was very clear for us. Uh, I've done a few trips. Before I met Amanda, I did a few trips, like a couple of months in Southeast Asia backpacking. I'd done another month and a half in Europe before uh, backpacking. And I like it, but... um what I really wanted to explore was having our own wheels and our own mode of transport so we could go whatever we wanted, anytime we wanted. And I'm sure you can relate to that, having a van. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to depend on buses or, you know, anything organized. It's just, it's you and your van, you go whatever you want. So we want to have that. And, and that's why we decided to go cycling. Why cycling? Well, it was cheap. <laughs> we were following different blogs before and we love their stories we really want to go and um, and meet the locals and and really get to know the cultures and for me like being from Spain speaking from Spanish Latin America was like right to be explored you know like I've only been to Guatemala before Uh, so it was the whole continent there everyone speaking Spanish and I was thinking man this is going to be great you know like I could see myself you know going to little towns in the Andes and, you know, like, and getting into small hats with the, you know, with the old ladies, hey, when I started, you know, like, I'm just <laughs> really connecting with the locals. And we thought, like, the, with a bicycle, you know, it would be pretty sweet. Then I also, it also tracked me the, the challenge of it, not being extremely difficult, but challenging enough for us that we, we only have experienced backpacking before, like the bicycling was the next step up, right? So like, okay, a little bit more difficult, more challenging, and um, and then so we can work towards something, right? So if, if you do, if you always take the easy choice, then you don't grow as much, and the bicycling seemed for us at the time like the, the right next step. It was cheap, we could go for very long, because for us, we just want to buy time, right? We want to go for as long as we could. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so so that was why we we decide to uh, go on cycling. In terms of challenges, there's many challenges, right? But um, it's uh, at the beginning we maybe we sit so oh maybe it's it's too hard. You gotta be super fit and stuff like that. Not really. I mean, we didn't even train for it. Like people ask, oh, were you a cyclist before? Did you train? Said so, no. You know, we figured out we 
we'll have plenty of training along the way, so I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to train before that. Um, but um, the main challenges are uh, the discomforts, right? So you you camping all the time, you eating your you cooking your meals. Uh, I love time. You can because you can't make it to the next town. So it's not that you don't want to take a hotel room. Is that is because there's no hotels or no towns, right? So because with the bicycle you only can go so far every day. So the main challenge was between Amanda and me. You know, like you, you know, you you camping every day. You're very tired. You're cycling six, seven hours a day. You're sweating. Then maybe you don't got you don't have a shower for three or four days in a row, and then you, you know, you, you sleep on the tent. Or, you know, so it's very uncomfortable, right? You gotta go to the bathroom in the bush. You gotta, you know, all those things. That's a real challenge, I think, um, especially between between Amanda and I. And we can talk about the couple's relationship because I think it's it's quite important as well. Uh, I don't know if you want to go down that path or not, just. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, Antonio, that was going to be my next question, because you said that at this point, before you embarked on this uh, cycling expedition, you were together for two years. It's certainly one of the questions that we get asked the most, Adam and I, is like, how do you do it living in a van in such a small space? And similarly, you're throwing yourselves and your relationship into a completely different scenario than the than the comfortable life that you had before so what were those challenges and also you know obviously your your relationship grew stronger for it because you know you're still together you you went on to do more expeditions together so what was it that you you learned about the relationship that you feel that without this you wouldn't have otherwise sure um i think going on a trip like this what it does is uh you just, you speed up the process, right? Like when we're in New Zealand, I had a job, she had a job, and we might see each other two or three hours a day and then on the weekends, right? But when you traveling together and you probably, you, you guys can relate to this, you 24-7, right? Together. Mm-hmm. So you just, it's like you put like what a normal couple will live in 10 years. You put it, you smash it and you leave all that in one year, right? Mm-hmm. So... We'll meet people and say, oh, we've been together for 10 years and you only be, I don't know, and we say, oh, we've only been together for three years or whatever, you know, we're, we're in the trip. But, I mean, those years when you're traveling, they account for a lot more, right? Yeah. So you really get to know your, your, your partner. You really have to work with it through the challenges. There's no way out. There's no, like, you know, you just can't avoid it. You have to deal with it. And I think it's great because either makes it the range chip or breaks it. And in our case, it made it. Although we did break up for a very short period of time, we were in Mexico with the bicycles, and that helped us to kind of reorganize things and really reflect and and, and think about okay, what can we do different? So mm-hmm. you know, we th- we both happier with this. But we, you know, like you kind of have to commit to that, right? Like a, a relationship is not a main product; it's not finished product; it's a working product, and. You know, like if you believe that you're going to find you, you know, your dream, that you're going to find the one kind of like, and it's going to be perfect and you don't have to work on that relationship. Uh, I just don't believe in that. I just think like, you know, you got to find someone that you share the same values with and 80% is right, but the other 20 you're going to work out. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. And the bicycle trip it helped us 
to speed up that process. It was it brought a lot more challenges that you will have back home, you know, having a normal life. But that also made the relationship a lot stronger. And um, and yeah, it's the relationship is stronger than ever because ten of those years we spend them, you know, living twenty four seven together while traveling, and we learn a lot from each other, and we work a lot on the relationship, and now. Now, Amanda and I, we've been together for, it's going to be 12 years next month. So you've spent 10 years full-time traveling, which, as you explained, equates to something more like 50 years. In a relationship. <laughs> um, in a relationship. So, yeah, it must feel like you guys have been together forever, but it's, it's amazing. And what you're saying there reminds me a little bit of a part of the conversation we had with Sarah and Luca, who they traveled all the way from Alaska down to South America in a really tiny little beaten up camper van. And they started their trip in Canada in winter in, in a really, really old place. And they didn't, they didn't have heating on through the night. And I think it was a very difficult start to their trip. And Luca said, that was when he realized that he loved Sarah because it's easy to fall in love with someone during the good times when everything's easy and everything's fine. But it's not until you're put into a difficult situation together that you really see what your relationship is made out of. And I think that speaks a lot towards what you were saying about how as soon as you and Amanda were out there facing these challenges, you really got to push your relationship to its limits. And grow and move forward and I think there's a lot to be said for that and it's exactly same with me and Tanya like we lived in a van now for three years out of our four-year relationship so we have spent the time on the road with all the challenges that come with van life and yeah of course all relationships have their challenges but I think that like you said it's expedited when you're doing something together full-time and working together and living together on the road. And I think just just to add to that, what you throw into your expedition that is certainly different than what Adam and I are doing mm. is the mental and the physical challenge and the exhaustion uh, as well as the logistics of where are you going to sleep tonight and all of that and the not showering for three or four days and, and being hungry on the road and all of these things and yeah I think that it is quite admirable that that you did all those things to, together as a couple. Yeah, yeah absolutely it's just uh, you know it's something like when you when you haven't had a shower for four days, you cycle a hundred k's today. You camping today, your stomach is not good. You get you know like having the runs, whatever, and then you know that's when you see, man, she's the one. You know, like <laughs> we like uh, it's uh, it's something about it that you know like it's kind of thing. It can't get any worse than this, and we still love each other. So this is great. <laughs> I think that is beautiful. That is true love. They should make a Disney film about that. <laughs> yeah, when you get the runs and you still love each other, you, you run into each other's arms yeah. with diarrhea. <laughs> so you spoke about the beginning of your travels being quite budget. So you, you were very much restricted by how much you could afford. That's why you started on your bikes. But then you did get to a point where you could afford a sailboat, which you went on to live on for three years, clocking up 20,000 nautical miles. So talk to us a little bit. I'd love to hear a little bit about, firstly, the business that you were working on, which enabled you to afford this boat. And then secondly, of course, we'd love to hear about your time of boat life. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, like when we started uh, the bicycle trip, we saved as much money as we could. And the plan was uh, we're going to go, you know, that 
we previously talked that I have the idea of one year, but when we actually left New Zealand, the plan was, okay, we have money for three years, right? And we're going to go and do this cycling trip for three years and then go back to have jobs. But very early in, into the trip, um, we realized, man, this lifestyle is sweet. You know, how can we extend this? I don't want to go back and get jobs. And uh, you probably can't relate to that totally. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started to figure out, okay, uh, how can we make money on the road? Um, you know, uh, so we can travel longer. And then we tr- we try at different things, right? So first we became scuba diving instructors. Um, so we work in diving while we were in South in Central America. Then uh, after that, we're going to go to South America and there's no diving down there, so we couldn't pick up any jobs. And then we try the, the kind of the travel blogging Kind of thing. This is back in 2014, where travel blogs were at their peak. They're very popular. YouTube wasn't a thing yet. Uh, it, is t- it was around, but it's not like today that there's a lot of YouTube channels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back then, blogging was the thing, right? Being a travel blogger. So we decided, well, let's give it a go. And you know, like we were in in Panama um, w- working diving, and we thought, you you know, we have enough money for one year. So let's go to South America. Let's do one year and work full time on the on the blog. So we rebranded. We used to have a blog for friends and family, like very very basic that is not up anymore. So we rebranded to what it was called at the time, the Adventure Jackies, right? And that was a travel blog of Amanda and I. We were the kind of quote unquote the Adventure Jackies, and we'll do the traditional travel blogging thing, and we said to each other, let's do it for a year. And if, if when we get to the bottom of Argentina, if we're making enough money, we double down. If not, we just go somewhere else and work in diving and keep traveling. That was the deal. <laughs> so we started cycling in South America. We love it down there. And we started doing some, you know, press trips and stuff like that. But there was something about it that we didn't like it. Um, and we didn't want to have, I'm, I'm a bit of old school in this sense. I don't want to have my life online uh, too much. A little bit is okay. Mm-hmm. But they made the deal breaker for Amanda and I is we didn't want to have our income tied to our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that means like we didn't want to have to travel in order to make money. We want to separate those things. We want to have, we're going to be able to make money no matter where we were. And then we could spend it traveling or no, depends. At the time, yeah, we're going to travel forever, whatever, but we didn't want to tie our lifestyle to that. And that was when we started trying different things than travel blogging. And one of them was we starting to, to get a lot of email people asking us, hey, I saw you cycling down the Andes. I'm looking to buy a bicycle. What bicycle should I buy? Hey, I saw you did this hike in the Andes. I'm looking for a backpack. What backpack should I buy? I, these were, weren't friends and family. These were people from the internet. We, we didn't know. And we started answering these emails. And then at some point I told them, hey, why don't we just publish all these things on the website? And maybe people, you know, like find it more interesting. So we started doing reviews and comparison. This is back in the day where the internet, you couldn't find a lot of reviews of stuff. Now the internet is absolutely, you know, you know, packed with those things. But, <laughs> you know, this is almost 10 years ago where you couldn't find much like that. So we start publishing these 
these reviews, these articles online, and suddenly we start getting a lot of traffic from Google, organic search. And then we start playing with that, reading a little bit more about business online, and we start monetizing those articles through affiliate offers. And by the time we made it to Argentina, to Ushuaia, we were like, man, we should really double down on these. By the time we'd been three years on the bicycle, we were a little bit tired of cycling. Uh, we had a very rainy summer in Patagonia. We were like done with the bikes. And we're working on these campgrounds, you know, working on the laptop and, you know, having crappy internet, couldn't do anything. And we thought, hey, why don't we just, you know, like rent a month and a, a little apartment in Ushuaia for a month and go full on on this and write 40 articles and see how it goes. So we, that's what we did. We rented a place in Ushuaia. We locked up ourselves for a month. And we, all we did was writing, writing, writing articles, and and then that started taking off. Like every month, we'll see more money coming in and more people coming to the side, and it went from there. And so then we still use the Adventure Junkies. It was like we're just transferring from being a travel blog to be more of a uh, gear review site, and and that started taking off, and eventually it became very big, but. At the time, that was what we needed to say, hey, this looks like it's going to work. Let's double down on this. So we just finished a couple of press trips that we had with the travel blogging thing. Uh, one of them was Antarctica, so that was pretty sweet. Like, we can wow. give that away. <laughs> We're going to Antarctica, and then, <laughs> and then we can uh, we can go somewhere else if you want. So, uh, but that was pretty much what happened. Like, um, we went to the travel blogging. We didn't like having that connection with income and lifestyle try a few different things until something finally worked out. I think that's amazing. I think it's incredible foresight as well at the beginning of a project to see, okay, if this project is going to be a long-term success, then, you know, I need to be, you know, traveling long-term or whatever it is to keep writing the blogs about my travels. Uh, it's, it's one of the reasons, to be honest, why we're so excited about this podcast. Of course, we love podcasting, but it's something that we can do from anywhere, whereas YouTubing, we need to be out there traveling and filming. And whilst it's something that we are really excited about doing at the moment, I can imagine as, as a time in the future when we're not going to be wanting to be traveling, we're going to want to settle down, but we're not going to want to let go of you know, our podcast, for example. That's something that can keep going and that we can keep talking to incredible people that are out there doing the interesting things or have got their stories from, from when they did their things. So it's very commendable for you to have the foresight for that. And it's amazing the business that you built. The other thing that you said that um, that I really respect is you didn't want to tie your lifestyle also to being online on social media all the time sharing. And that that is something that Adam and I have talked about before in previous episodes when we've talked about YouTube or filmmaking and striking the balance between experiencing the adventure, the travel, the people that you meet, spending quality time also with people without your phones, without the, the camera. And, and and all of that while still also of course we're primarily filmmakers and so for us we enjoy capturing the essence of the place that we're in we enjoy also sharing it with other people but it's a fine line so that when you're enjoying yourself knowing when picking up the camera will actually elevate the experience because it's artistic it's a creative outlet 
or where you just put it down and you enjoy the moment and and that so um i think just just as a side note for for those listening you know i i know it myself because googling your name you're not going to find a whole bunch of things about you um you you'll find the articles that you've written where you talked about the gears and and the advice and you know the things that you should look out for if you're if you're doing like a a four or five day trek your advice all of these things but you by and large you don't have a large social media presence which i think is really rare these days especially for someone who's done as much as you and <laughs> yeah you'd think that it'd be all over the internet yeah 100 percent. it's um yeah i think it's uh it is definitely um there's another side to that as well i guess uh, um, i think it's nice to look back uh, into those things if you're creating some sort of content to look back at it and watch those videos or articles, or whatever you create, I think that that could be very nice. Uh, but I mean, it's not that I don't produce content. I'm in the process of writing a book now, but um, wow, it's more like uh, we do it for our own kind of consumption. Like you know, we have these you know these private groups online for our friends and family, or um, and that our money doesn't depend on us traveling, although. My mom still thinks that, you know, like the more likes she uh, gives to the, our pictures, the more money we're, we're going <laughs> to make online, but she still doesn't understand the old business models. Uh, but um, yeah, I think there's a bit of everything, but um, yeah, there's definitely something that it's, I will totally recommend to give it a thought before you go full on on creating content that it's about your day-to-day -day life online, because yeah, when you stop doing that, then you're gonna think about, you gotta go and find something else, right? So am I right in thinking then that the Adventure Junkies, is that the business that enabled you to afford your boat, uh, your sailboat that you ended up living on for three years? Yeah, that was the business that allowed us to, to kind of level up um, our lifestyle big time, right? So it became very big, a lot bigger than what we, ever imagine it could be. Uh, but I think, well, the best thing of the Adventure Junkies for us was that we started to become more interested in business and not just business, but like um, upgrading our lives in terms of, you know, like uh, we start reading a lot more, we start optimizing our lives, improving our health, uh, kind of like we got a lot into this self-help kind of niche, but not commercially just like as a personal interest so we took a lot of courses online we attend a lot of um you know some events we connect with people that uh we before we started the trip we would have never imagined that we would meet um we kind of get it got involved into a bit more of the entrepreneurs uh kind of world uh so between because between we finished the bicycle trip and we bought the sailboat that, that's uh, about two and a half to three years gap where we were doing what now is called digital nomad. Back then, we were just the weird people with laptops working from everywhere. <laughs> um, but we we had the chance to connect with a lot of people that they they were working online, right? So we spent quite a bit of time in, in Cape Town. There's a big community of entrepreneurs there. A uh, bit of time in, in Southeast Asia and different, you know, digital nomad hotspots. And we did a lot of trips around. We visited a lot of Central Asia, Middle East kind of stuff, East Africa as well. But it was more like 
we will work for a month and then we'll take a month or two off and we'll go traveling and then we'll rent a place again for another month, work, and then so we'll be doing these blocks of work and, and travel, but we we never really uh, mix them together, right? I'm, I'm kind of like a, a very focused guy, so I normally like to do one thing and doing the best I can, so I always either work or travel, but I don't personally like mixing the two because you don't produce as much and you don't enjoy travel as much. So I I kind of tend to do one thing at a time. Yeah, that's great. That's something that we're really trying to implement in our lives. We, we have, by the very nature of our work, we have to be pretty much traveling and working at the same time, but we try and block it out like at least day by day because it, like you say, it's very hard to be the most productive you can be whilst traveling. And it's very hard to enjoy traveling to the highest amount you can whilst you're working. So yeah, it's very much about compartmentalizing those things because apparently humans actually can't multitask. So okay. <laughs> it's good to, to separate those things out. So I'd love to hear about your three years of boat life. What was it that drew you to boat life and did you have any prior sailing experience no i never sailed before um i i did a bit of sailing i don't know if you call it sailing when i was like eight years old <laughs> and my parents took me to some of these sailing courses just so you know they could have their own time i guess uh but after now we uh we neither amanda and i had uh, been sailing before um uh, you know, there's a funny story about this. The way we kind of got hooked into it and um, made us curious was at the very early stages of the bicycling trip, when we were super cheap, right? We were cycling in Mexico down the Baja Peninsula and we got to La Paz, which is at the very bottom. And from there, you, in order to get to the mainland, you got to take a ferry. But there's a lot of sailboats down there. And we thought, hey, maybe we could hitch a ride on one of these and they would have to pay the, the ferry ticket, right? So we walk around marinas talking to people and blah, 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 they work out. And then eventually one guy said, hey, yeah, I'm taking my boat to Mazatlan and yeah, I got room if you guys want to come. And, and he had a catamaran and we kind of were like, oh, yeah, we can help you out, you know, cleaning, cooking, whatever. I said, no, no, it's okay. Just come over. You know, I just need someone to keep an eye on things while I sleep a little bit at night and, and that's it. So, cool. We didn't know this guy. He was an American guy, old guy, and he was on his son. So I now looking back, I think he just wanted a little bit of company. Anyway, we put the bicycles into his catamaran and we sail across uh, three days. It was a very slow passage, but it was three days from La Paz to Massalan and we absolutely love it. And we had an amazing crossing super great weather we we pulled up a couple of tunas that we ate we we saw whales on the way a bunch of dolphins it was magical and you know we were like man wouldn't it be so cool being able to travel on a catamaran but we can afford it we can do it so we kind of forgot about it in a way and uh and then another time uh, when we were in uh, uh, Costa Rica and we were running low on, on, on savings, well, Amanda in particular was running low on savings, and uh, because we just took these courses, these Cuba Davi courses, and we had to pay for them with a few, a few thousand dollars, and she went back to the U.S. to kind of like two, two months just work as a diving instructor in one of these camps that she will end the money that it will take like a year to earn in Honduras or one of those. <laughs> so she went back for two months. I went to the Caribbean 
and I start like backpacking island hoping and I hitch a few rides on a catamaran as well and I was like man this is so sweet you know like and I got a sneak peek on this community of cruisers that man people live on boats like hang on this this is like kind of like an RV on the water but you can go anywhere you want and and you don't even have to pay to be anchored but once you have the boat you just can go anywhere you want this is amazing but I, we were always stuck into, the, into this mentality, right? It was, ah, but we can't afford it. And then we start, when we, the adventure junkies start um, taking off and we start reading all this self-help book, one of these lessons that I learned on one of the many books I, I read was, it's all about how you ask the question to yourself. Uh, it's not, I can't afford it. The question is, how can I afford it? And then you start thinking about, Okay, how much is this? How much do you have to make? Can I go cheap? Is it really that much? You don't need to be a millionaire to have a catamaran. How much is this? I don't have to buy a new one. I have to, you know, how much it really is? What do I need? What, you know? And then you start figuring things out. And fair enough, like a few years later, you know, like it was like five years after we took that ride from La Paz to Mazatlan, we were boarding our own catamaran in the Caribbean. Wow, what an incredible journey. I love that lesson that you took from the book of of it's not I can't afford it, it's how can I afford it? And it kind of takes me back a little bit to my childhood because I grew up, I was definitely not from a wealthy background at all. It was just me and my mum. My mum was on benefits. Um, as an only mother, she would she'd work and sometimes have me looked after by the neighbour and things like that. But yeah, we definitely, I didn't grow up wealthy, but I had a horse and people were always really confused by that. How could I be riding around on a pony? Because ponies are for rich people. And it's like, it's not. You can do things like that in a cheaper way. It was just not a pedigree horse, not an expensive horse. And it just lived in a field because we lived in the country. And it wasn't like something that was a sign of wealth. And I think, again, a lot of people will be looking at us traveling full time and think, oh, you must be really rich because traveling full time is really expensive. And... As you said earlier, it's it's not all about how much money you have. You can travel and you can live with everything you need for very cheap. And I think it's an incredible lesson to take. Yeah, and it's also about your your priorities. Ultimately, um, I I read something recently. I I don't know how true it is, but it had said that um, the average digital nomad. Uh, spends two thousand dollars a month, but to live in America, it's an average of five thousand dollars a month. Of course, it completely varies on the lifestyle, what you're comparing it to, and where in the states you're comparing it to. It's not to say that everyone's on five thousand, but as a general rule, as an average, we can vouch for it. It would be so much more expensive for us to have continued the life that we had back in London or when I lived in New York, for example. It's just about your priorities. You strip down, you live with less and you live with less physical things, but you experience more. And yeah, it comes down to priorities and also how can I make this happen and do it in a way that is it is within my means and you're not setting those you know, those limitations where you think that something or an opportunity or an experience is off the cards for you. And I think as well from a not just a material point of view, but also from a a physical 
point of view because we've had some brilliant conversations with guests that are um you know they they adventure in like they're they're well past their 50s for example and they didn't take up um mountain biking until they were in their 40s and if you have the kind of the fixed mindset of oh well I don't know how to ride a bike or or I'm not very good at that so I'll never be good at this sort of adventure or you know learning how to to sail a boat you 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 didn't have experience but you had that growth mindset of well how how can I teach myself how can we do it how can we make this for ourselves and not just limit yourself with the, the hitchhiking so did did living on a boat live up to the expectations um, based on your previous experience of hitchhiking how was it for you it was amazing it's uh Going back to your initial question, if I have to pick one way of traveling, I think boating is the best. But uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, and going back, just quickly going back to what Tanya was saying, I think she, she I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, it's all about priorities. Like uh, one of the things that we learn about the boating community is like a boat normally costs less than what a house costs. And most of these guys, they live on the boat. They don't have a house. So it's a choice. It's a priority. Instead of having a house, they bought a boat. And they most of them, they live well below $2,000 a month. Because once you are there, you don't need that much. And if you fix your th- the things yourself, it's even cheaper. But um, So yeah, so it can actually be cheaper than living on land, living on a catamaran. At least for us, it was. So that's one, one little note for people out there. And and then yeah, how was the boat? Well, it's um, it's amazing. It's uh, for me, the what I like the most is you do feel connected to nature. Well, both Amanda and I, we love the outdoors and we love the water. We're definitely water people. We love diving, uh, spearfishing, kayaking, paddleboarding, water kite surfing, all that kind of stuff. And by living on the boat, you're living right there, right? That's your backyard, and um, and it's it's pretty amazing. The living off land of fishing, you know, just in your fish, uh, you desalinate, you create your own water through desalination processes. You can be remote for a very long time. You can reach places that nobody can get there unless they have a boat. So it kind of opens up a new world up there that you never knew existed, right? Like it's uh you literally can go anywhere you want. Like it's all these islands. Then they don't. You don't need a ferry together. You don't need anybody to give you a ride. No, you just can go, and stay there, and and that's pretty amazing. And then obviously, like in every you know um, group of these traveling, the cruising community is great, right? Then you start meeting people that do the same thing as you. But same as on motorcycle, we met a lot of bike tours, and uh, when we did the motorbike trip, a lot of overlanders, and I'm pretty sure you guys met a lot of van people as well mm-hmm. each style of traveling i guess has its own community and the cruising community is absolutely awesome uh, we really enjoy so we bought the boating just going back to your question yeah we bought the boat in grenada which is kind of north of venezuela in, in the caribbean in one of those tiny islands and we spent a year and a half uh, going all the way up to the chain uh, we spent quite a bit of time in the bahamas we we fell in love with it. We we really we're big skewer divers, so we we spent like quite a few months there, like diving and fishing and 
just living offline is a great place to work online as well. So you can live in your boat in a remote island and because the islands are very flat, you know, they're not very tall. So you get signal from everywhere and it's it's a pretty sweet lifestyle actually, like uh, combining, you know, like there, I think you can definitely combine the work and play in the same day. Like you work in the morning and then you go spear fishing or paddle boarding or kite surfing in the afternoon. And you can do that for months. Um, so we love it. Uh, our initial plan when we bought the boat, we had this dream of crossing the South Pacific. So the, the plan was we want to go to French Polynesia and explore all these areas in the South Pacific. We got super inspired by these YouTubers, you know, like that they've done that before. Uh, the main difference is we didn't have a clue how to, you know, sail, fix a boat or anything. So we needed to get some experience and that's why we decided to stay a year and a half in the Caribbean uh, to to get that experience, right? To <laughs> Sailing is actually the easiest thing, like, you know, learn how to sail is very easy, especially in a big boat, it's <laughs> very easy. What's very difficult is learning how to fix everything that is going to break down because mm -hmm. everything is going to break down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like you got to learn about how to fix your engine, how to fix the water pump, how to fix the toilet, how to fix it, you know, whatever, you know, the rigging, the, oh, now the electricity doesn't work or the batteries, you know, all of that, unless you have a background thing, it's, it takes time and it's difficult to, to, I mean, it just takes time, right? So that's where we, we decided to spend a year and a half in the Caribbean. And um, and then the plan was after that uh, go to Panama, cross the canal, and sail to Australia. But those plans they they went out of the window in 2020 when you know everyone knows what happened in 2020. And that's essentially when you stopped boat life. And am I right in saying that then after that your next adventure, which would have been once you were able to travel, was on the motorbike? Um. Kind of. So we have a boat in Panama and uh, we crossed the canal. We were ready to sail to the Marquesas, which is the first group of islands in French Polynesia in March 2020. And and then that was this whole virus thing happened. And we wait for a bit and then everything was closing and we, you know, the islands didn't allow boats to get in there. And that, uh, we didn't give up on the boat idea like that that quick because, you know, we worked so hard for that. And Honestly, at the time we thought oh, this is going to be like a two months thing and then everything is going to open again. So what we did was we brought the boat to Mexico, mainland Mexico, Puerto Vallarta, and we started cruising around there. Mexico at the time was great, was open. It was one of the few countries when you could do kind of normal life. And if you have a boat, it was super great because you could move around. And since we could be out for like months at a time, we didn't need anything, right? So we did that. So the 2020, we spent it on mainland Mexico and a bit of Baja. Then 2021, we're still waiting. Uh, French Polynesia still didn't open. And then we did another whole season in the Sea of Cortes. We absolutely love it. Um, it's funny, like we did that that uh, crossing that we did with, with this American guy like six or seven years before. Now we were doing it back with our own catamaran, right? That was quite emotional <laughs> and um and then we yeah we spent a whole year in the in Baja we explore around we love it uh but then you know South Pacific still wasn't open and this was like 2021 kind of uh I think it was almost to September 2021 
and we saw like, look, we can't wait anymore. You know, we've been waiting for these for two years. We're not really doing what we really want. I mean, we love Mexico, but we'd rather be, we, we know Baja. We've been to Baja many times before. Uh, we love it, but this is a time where we want to do something else, exploring, you know, and like we still like, you know, the two of us, we don't have a family, we don't have kids, we don't have, and you know, it's a time to be exploring and experimenting with things, you know, we don't want to be sitting here on our boat and not going anywhere. So at that time, we, we made the tough decision to say, look, you know, this South Pacific trip is not for now. That doesn't mean that we won't do it, but we can do it in the future. But at the moment, we can't wait. And we can't wait. It's, 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 this is the time, probably in a few years, we're going to start a family. We want to do it now. And we want to do this. We, Amanda and I, we have this code that we call it. This is a BK trip. And a BK trip means it's a before kids trip. <laughs> so what's, what's on that list, right? What's on that list? And in that list, it was a very clear trip, which was West Africa. For us, was, that was like, the ultimate frontier like we've been like all around we spent quite a bit of time in africa when we're like doing this digital nomad thing we combine we did a few trips and combining all the time we were there we were probably around nine months in africa but that was mainly south and east africa which is very different and we really wanted to do this trip so and definitely we definitely thought it was a bk trip so <laughs> we thought okay so let's sell the boat and let's get two motorbikes and just ride West Africa. And that's what we did. So we we decided to buy two bicycles and ride from uh, Spain all the way down to Cape Town through West Africa. Wow. That, I mean, that is just incredible. I love the BK code, by the way. That's really good. Tanya and I often speak about it, but we haven't used that code. So now we will. We will now. Yeah, I think that's a great code. <laughs> Just a quick one to say that our full conversation with Antonio about the amazing road trip through Africa is already live on our Patreon and will be posted this Wednesday to our podcast feed wherever you are listening. So make sure you subscribe and don't miss it. Or if you're listening in the future, it is already live. So you don't need to go and support us on Patreon. <laughs> but please do anyway. Please do. One thing I found really interesting is earlier in the conversation, you talked about you and Amanda investing in um, kind of that self-development, that personal growth in courses, but also reading the uh, personal development books. I'd love to know, have there been any particular books that have really been revolutionary for you that you would recommend to those that are listening? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my favorite book that I always recommend is Mindset by Carol Dweck. It's because at the end, everything comes down to mindset. It's to your mentality. Where you think you can, where you think you can't, you're right, right? That's a famous quote. Um, and I think this book really helped me to, to, um, to change my mindset, really. As a, you know, she, she goes into the book to talk about what's a fixed mindset, a rough mindset, right? You, pro you guys probably familiarize mm -hmm. with the book. I think it's that, you know, it's just really thinking about, you know, what can you do? How can I do it? The other book that really helped me was The Extreme Ownership by um, Jacko Willink. And it's all about that, you know, extreme ownership, like taking ownership of your actions. Like everything that happens to you is because you built it. So basically everything is your fault, either one or not. And if you see the life like that, then you can, you know, you 
you you forget about this victim mentality and just take ownership and make sure that this happened. What could I have done different? What can I do different? I don't expect things, you know, mm-hmm. like someone come and you know invite me to their boat and give me the boat. No, well, how can I do it? You know, or if I if I come in Africa, right? Like, how can we avoid this problem? Or how can we do better for next time this thing happen? I think it's very important having the yeah, that growth mindset and that ownership of your actions. So, and those two books are the ones I always recommend. Thank you for that. We'll make sure to link them in the show notes. And I personally love that you have recommended Mindset because um, it's it's definitely my favorite personal growth book. It's the one that we have time and time again recommended on this podcast. So coming from you, having the experiences that you've had for the, the last decade, I think it will speak volumes. So if anyone has been in doubt whether they should they should take that book, um, and they should read it, then I, I, I think this is a sure sign of anything else. Yeah, I really like the idea of the other one of the taking responsibility for everything. I think it's, I, I haven't heard of the book, but it sounds like a book I'd really enjoy. So I'll definitely, definitely check that one out. Yeah, just a quick note on that. Yeah, so Yoko Willink, he used to be a US uh, commander in the army or something like that. So he has a lot of stories about war and all that. I think you got to look through that and get really the the lessons uh, from that is just like mm. I think like uh, I might put some people away, you know, the war stories and all that. But if you think about mm. it, that's a, that's an extreme circumstance. So you definitely have to take ownership of your actions. Otherwise, you'll be killed, right? So um, uh, yeah. So if you if you can look through that, you know, through that war stories, I think the lessons are really really valuable. Great. Right. Well, I'll definitely I'll check it out for sure. So we just quickly like to talk about what you're doing now, because you've kind of settled down from your traveling, right? You're living, am I right in thinking Mexico? Yep. Um, and you're now working on a project called Adventure Fix. So I'm wondering if you could kind of explain what that is and how people can get involved. Sure. Yeah. So we uh kind of settling down we see as we're taking a few years to kind of build a house and have a base where we can always come back to and maybe start a family uh soon and and then but we we probably kind of hit the road as a point once the the kid can be a little bit independent so we settled down but uh, kind of quote unquote settling down uh what we're doing now it's um well it's a mag i like to see as a magazine that it's on a newsletter form so um, it's a magazine where we curate the best outdoor stories and adventure travel inspiration from around the web, from other creators. And we put them all together into this magazine fill email and we send them out every Friday um, and it's called Adventure Fix. So if anyone's interested, is in, they can go and check it out at adventurefix.co. Uh, yeah, we like, I mean, what we want to do you know is inspire these people i grew up uh, reading magazines like nagio or outside online and i kind of felt like those magazines they they let us down a little bit like if you pick up one of those magazines these days they're all full of uh, advertisers or what i call a social justice kind of stories but the good old stories they're all gone right like they they don't like they just, yeah, they, whatever makes money or whatever gets click. And so we want to kind of go back to that concept of a magazine and make it as that 
2023 type magazine. So it's a magazine for these days. So these days, people, you know, yeah, not many people buy magazines. Uh, people are online. They, they, they're kind of on the go, on the road. They consume content online. Uh, but one of the problems is a lot of the content online, I think we were talking about this before we started recording, is... You know, like a good-looking girl and then a hike on the background or because that gets click or short videos about clickbaiting or whatever, right? But it's hard to find true, great, cool adventures of people doing cool stuff uh, that they just want to do and they want to sell you anything. Just the good old stories, right? So that's what we're trying to curate uh, in Adventure Fix, you know, like an... Also, we decided to go via email because we tried running a magazine before, but the magazine industry is dying. And I think the problem is the the business model, you know, like they want you to download this PDF and the iPad that looks crap. And then you can, you have to be, you know, zooming in, zooming out to read it or picking up the physical magazine, which not many people are buying anymore. People, what they have these days, they consume the content on their phone. And the app that everyone has on their phone is the email. So that's what we going for email. We're just making it look like a magazine. So yep, if anyone wants to want to check it out, that's uh, that's what we're doing at the moment. Amazing. Well, we'll, of course, leave a link to that in the show notes, along with the book recommendations. And yeah, Antonio, I think we could definitely carry on talking for at least another hour i feel like we've just scratched the surface on all the stories you've got to tell so maybe we'll have to have you back on the podcast when you have your book out yeah when you've got your book out and we can talk about your book and talk about some of your other stories because you said there's loads of fun stories and we didn't get to get to that because we're talking about all the scary ones so so much left to talk to you about um but thank you so so much for your time uh is there anywhere else that people can go to follow along with you or is it just adventure fix is that where you'd want people to go to to keep up with you yeah that's that's pretty much it i'm not very active on social media so um yeah i try to kind of focus my life to be outside and in the real world but um yeah so i think adventure fix is the is the best place to find me fine great well there you go everybody adventure fix so there's one last question we have to ask before we let you go and that is you might be prepared for this you might not be it is the secret code emoji so that anybody listening to this wants to carry on with the conversation they have to pick a secret code emoji yeah and they they will message us on instagram because since yeah, since you're not on instagram <laughs> <laughs> since you're not on instagram we won't expect people to message you with the secret emoji but for our benefit <laughs> for our benefit so that we know that people have stuck around till the very end and have signed up to adventure fix you get to pick one emoji and they will send that to us sure the giraffe giraffe nice i love it great there we go everybody it's the giraffe emoji this week um antonio thank you so so much for your time it's honestly been a pleasure we've just been sat here transfixed and kind of forget oh we've we've got to respond we've got to ask a question next because you have just been so engaging and your stories are just incredible and inspirational and it feels like true old school hardcore travel and hardcore adventure so thank you so so much yeah thank you yeah thank you guys for having me here it's been a lot of fun i really like this i really enjoy it and yeah i'm all the best with your podcast and i'm i'm a fan now so i'll be listening to the to the next episodes great well thank you very much bye antonio Bye. bye
Thank you so, so much for listening. And once again, a reminder that midweek, we'll be continuing this conversation with Antonio, where he'll be talking all about his incredible adventure down through West Africa on his motorbike. Yeah, and Amanda's near-death experience. Near-death experience, yeah. It's crazy. Definitely worth a listen. So check that out midweek or Patreon. (laughs) Thanks.